Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Recently, I went to a lifestyle medicine convention and I found some of the material there very, very fascinating. One of the important aspects of lifestyle medicine uh, now is that in um, countries such as the United States, uh, the United Kingdom and Australia, lifestyle medicine is now recognised as a branch of specialised medicine. So doctors can do their uh, board exam um, in this in the area of uh, lifestyle medicine, become a lifestyle medicine uh, specialist, just like you might become a, a, a paediatrician or a, a gynaecologist and so forth. So it's very interesting that this area of medicine is being recognised as so effective in treating uh, certain non-communicative diseases such as diabetes and heart disease and weight gain. These are two of the important areas. I think one of the factors that really came out from this conference that I was impressed with was the um, evidence, the growing evidence, that a plant-based diet promotes health. And in actual fact, a uh, changing from uh, an omnivore-type diet or a diet eating eating meat and a lot of processed foods to a plant-based whole food diet where one a person is eating foods that um, are pretty well as they God made them in nature um, can reverse serious diseases such as type 2 diabetes that have been well developed and you know people have been suffering the with these conditions and the condition is quite advanced I should say so this was quite impressive because when we think of this this was the original edenic diet that was given by you know god when we read in the uh, bible there in um, the uh, original genesis account we see that uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 29, talking to humans when they God had created man and woman, um, and his God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. So here we see that the plant-based diet of fruits and uh, plants with uh, seeds in them and the seeds uh, were the original diet. And, of course, as we read later in the, the Bible, it was only after the flood that meat-eating was permitted. And it was interesting, too, that at that uh, time, the, um, you know, the people were not to eat the blood in the meat and they were to... Uh, cut the, you read other sections still, they cut the fat off the meat. And of course we know that by reducing the fat intake in our diet too, that again uh, is very protective against uh, many uh, illnesses. Um, and so, you know, removing added fats too from our, our diet um, and just trying to use the, the natural fats that occur in foods like... Um, 
olives and avocados, um, has so many health benefits. And it was interesting to see um, on the slides that were presented by the different um, uh, medical researchers the evidence in reducing and reversing serious conditions such as coronary artery disease and uh, diabetes by moving the people onto whole food, plant-based diets. And the, uh, you know, the benefits also flowed on for weight loss. The evidence was very strong, again, um, for weight loss. One of the other interesting factors that uh, came out of this were how the flesh foods such as meat can have compounds in them that are now being associated with uh, increasing the risk of heart disease. So, you know, that, that was very interesting. But one of the things that really fascinated me was the evidence for what are called uh, circoseptan rhythms. Now, a circoseptan rhythm, I learned, is a cycle consisting of seven days in which many biological processes of life operate on. Now, there's been a number of exciting discoveries as we learn about um, our DNA codes and genes and their functions. And it's been known for some time now that there are clock genes. And most of us are probably aware that we have circadian rhythm, so a sort of a 24-hour rhythm that uh, coordinates with the motion of the, the sun and sunlight and uh, and daylight and darkness and sleep and so forth. And these ribbon, uh, ribbons uh, can affect, you know, a um, uh, number of our hormone cycles and so forth. But the seven-day cycle is an interesting one because it really doesn't correspond to anything in, in nature, any sort of natural cycle so much. The seven-day cycle is sort of independent of different, um, you know, natural cycles. So why seven day? Now, we know that we have the, you know, the weekly cycle and it's generally accepted worldwide now, the seventh day, the seven day weekly uh, cycle. And it's interesting, however, that this cycle essentially comes from the uh, Christian influence, I believe, um, from the um, Jewish and, uh, and, and from the Bible um, and that cycle that was practiced by the, the Jews and the uh, Hebrews before the Christians. And that, of course, comes back to the Bible. Now, the Bible makes some interesting statements about this. Of course, one of those statements is found in Genesis chapter 2, which is quite revealing, and it says, and reading Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. 
So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work which he had done in creation. So here we have this um, seven-day cycle instituted at creation. And, of course, we know, you know, secular science and the naturalistic worldview and the atheistic worldview that, you know, they don't accept the existence of God. But really, they don't have an explanation for these seven-day cycles that are being discovered in nature now. But, of course, we know that um, that seven-day cycle was a, an important part of the program that God gave humans for life. And of course, if we go over to um, to Exodus chapter, and I look at Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments were, uh, God gave the, it's recorded God gave the Ten Commandments and uh, wrote these commandments down. We read again um, in uh, chapter 20 of Exodus, Verse 8 and following, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your manservant or your maidservant or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now a number of interesting things come out in that text in that it was for the people to remember but also for their manservants and their maidservants or the people working for them and also the cattle there. And the stranger person visiting were to rest on that day. People were, uh, weren't to to work on that day. Now, it serves a, a, a couple of um, uh, important points a little bit um, further over. Uh, another uh, reiteration of this in Exodus 31, um, verses uh, 16 and 17, we read, Therefore the people of Israel shall, and this is God talking to Moses, uh, therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout generations as perpetual covenant it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, this is quite, you know, I, I've, I find this quite revealing. And there's a, a couple of things that, that come out of this in that there's um, an emphasis that to remember the Sabbath day and to worship to worship God and to remember God as the creator. And one of the things that interests me is that, of course, we know that, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, or, you know, probably nearly 2,000 years, just under 2,000 years ago, um, the Christian church began changing and, and adopting many um, political expediencies and, and practices. And for many parts of Christendom, the day of worship was changed to Sunday. And Sunday was changed as a, to a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that we now have salvation through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. 
You know, when I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking really it changes the emphasis back to, sure, we're thankful for God dying on the cross for us and we celebrate that, but it's about celebrating that now we are saved. Because of the resurrection, we can be saved in some ways. But the Sabbath day was to remember that God was our creator. He was our father. We talk about God as our heavenly father because he gave us life. And I I really believe that if the Christian churches had have continued to remember the Sabbath day as a memorial of creation and that we're worshipping God the creator now because uh, and we're now free to do that because through God's grace, through God dying on the cross, coming in a human form as Jesus and dying on the cross, he's now free to forgive us. And so, and we are made right with him and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes into us, that, that changes us. You know, we know that, you know, God talked about, you know, can a leopard change its spots? No, we can't change ourselves, but God can change us to be the beautiful people that he designed us to be before the influence of sin affected our lives. And this is the re- remarkable story. And, you know, while it's good to, you know, celebrate the the resurrection, which means now that Jesus was truly God and and so forth, the important point I see is to remember that God created us. Now, it's interesting that the Sabbath day was set aside for that. The Sabbath day, the seventh day. Now, one of the fascinating things that has come out that was presented and was certainly an eye-opener to me at the uh, conference that uh, I attended, and I've looked up uh, some of the references on, on this since, um, is this uh, uh, Septon, uh rhythms, these seven-day cycle rhythms that are actually in nature and one of the fascinating things that was put up there by um, the uh, doctor who spoke on this was that with a number of these cycles, the seventh day and the, this rhythm, there were, there were a number of rhythms where the level of, um, immune, you know, of, um, of immune compounds, for example, changed on the... Um, on every seventh day, blood pressure cycles changed at a uh, sort of a minimum every seventh day, I think it was, and so forth. This seventh day corresponded to Saturday, the Sabbath. Now, most of these places are being taken, uh, going to be in, you know, Western countries and, and this sort of thing. And there were some of them where the cycle um Dip the when you looked at the saw tape, sure, the the dip corresponded to maybe on a on a Sunday at times too, and that was part of the seventh day cycle. But most of the ones that came up, it seemed to be on Saturday, and I guess um, it, it corresponded to the Saturday was the minimum in the cycle. And as another part of this seventh day cycle, we there was. Um, the doctor pointed out, for example, that a classic example of this was preserved um, in the 
the day that the Hebrew children were to be circumcised. And it, it was interesting that um, if we read in Genesis chapter 17, uh, and reading from verse 11, this is God talking to Abraham and his descendants, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He that is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or born with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offering and so forth. So it was very interesting that the circumcision was to be on the eighth day. And this doctor pointed out that when a little baby is born and a whole lot of new mechanisms switch on, that gradually the level of vitamin K, which is involved in the blood clotting mechanism, an essential part of the blood clotting mechanism, just gradually increases and reaches a peak at the end of the seventh day. So on the eighth day, we find this is the day after the blood clotting level has reached the peak. That's the day to do the circumcision. Now, I think these little snippets of information point to the fact that the Bible and the history that we have in the Bible is true and points to our supernatural creator, our heavenly father, the origin of life. And of course, we refer to God as our heavenly father because there's no known way that life can start. There's no known way that a living cell can can start from non-living chemicals. We are here as a result of a supernatural creator, the father of life, just as in the animal kingdom, in the human kingdom, it's a father that starts life and uh, in the process. And so this is, uh, uh, you know, quite, quite fascinating. The research in the area of um, this seven-day cycles is um, quite um, interesting. Uh, and it's it's across animals as well. Um, a, a paper published back in 1987 talks about the circuseptum rhythm in sodium and potassium excretion in salt-sensitive um, rats, um, and that was published in the Progress of Clinical uh, Biology uh, back in 1987. Um, the uh, a paper that was published in two double oh five in the um, in the National Institute uh, of Health uh, uh, government uh, website in the, in the US and it was titled mapping of circuseptum and circadian changes in mood and so again they found that people's mood seemed to improve and be optimum on the uh, Saturday on the on the seventh day it was fascinating the number of um, uh, aspects of this that have been uh, pointed out. Um, another one, very interesting study that was published in 2014 in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, and that was titled, What's the Healthiest Day? Circuseptin, or Weekly Rhythms in Healthy Considerations. And what these uh, people did, they did quite an interesting study where they looked at uh, the... They got data off um, Google 
and they looked at the times that people went on to Google to look for health advice and to um, look for, for help for health conditions. And uh, this sort of was, they're analysing this data to give them a, a doing research to try and find well, were certain illnesses, certain situations like headaches and these sort of things. Are there particular days of the week that they spike or particular times that people tend to get these uh, conditions? And of course, why is that the case? Well, guess what? They found that Saturdays were the lower days where the research for information for health problems was the lowest. So that was, um, you know, quite quite interesting. So again, that was uh, published in the American Journal of uh, Preventive Medicine, two thousand and fourteen, in July. It's uh, for anyone looking interested in the reference. It's um, Volume 47, number one, pages 73 to, to six. And uh, this was research done uh, for the School of Public Health, San Diego University, San Diego. So, you know, th- that's a really subtle, and, uh, you know, evidence for this. Another paper uh, came across was uh, septum Rhythms in Human Epilepsy, um, looking at people. And this is what they found that these people had, again, the seven-day um, uh, cycles in their seizure patterns um, when they studied a cohort. Another interesting uh, paper, and this is one that was um, uh, a paper published in the uh, Chrono, uh, Chronobiology International, the Journal of Biological and Medical Rhythm Research, so in uh, 2017, so it's volume 34, issue two. And that paper was titled Seven Day Human Biological Rhythms, an expedition in search of their origin, synchronization, functional advantage, adaptive value, and clinical relevance. So this um, is quite an interesting review paper with uh, you know quite a lot of... Um, Evidence there, if someone wants to uh, look it up. So that was the Journal of Biological and Medical Rhythm Research, Volume 34, 2017, Issue 2. And what they, and you can just Google that on the internet, it'll come up. And What they found was that um, in biological systems, these seven-day biological rhythms are displayed in various species from sea algae um, to plants, insects, fish, birds and mammals, including, and of course, including man. And they're displayed um, even under both natural and artificial environmental conditions. In other words, if we can change environmental conditions send people to Antarctica, for example, they still have this seven-day cycle. And this was um, you know, quite uh, fascinating here, the, the evidence uh, for this. And again, the, uh, one of the things they ask is, do these seven-day rhythms bestow functional advantage on organisms? And... Um, 
So it's, you know, it's quite fascinating that this fits in with God saying, have a day of rest. Our whole biochemistry, well, not necessarily our whole biochemistry, but a whole lot of aspects of our biochemistry are around this concept that on the seventh day we rest. And the evidence is accumulating that that seventh day corresponds to our Sabbath day. And, of course, I think I've uh, you know, mentioned that when some of the missionaries reach some of the very remote areas of um, New Guinea, um, the islanders there were, uh, had been influenced by Christian missionaries and were keeping uh, Sunday as their day of rest. And when they uh, were looking at the language, they realised that they had those native people had a seven-day cycle and the day corresponding to Saturday was, in their language, the day of no work. So just, you know, little things like this that we find um, around the world that point to the fact that this whole concept of the seven-day week is something that God ordained. It's powerful evidence that the Bible is true. It's powerful evidence that we were created by God and that the Bible account of creation is true. There is just so much evidence now for creation. And again, for further reading, um, there's my book, Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. Um, that's available on the different uh, book um, sellers um, on the internet and major bookstores can order it. Then there's the book, In Six Days, Why 50 Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation. And these 50 scientists set out the reasons why evolution is absolutely impossible and the overwhelming evidence that we have for creation and a young earth. And remember that you can download that entire book for free by going to the website creation.com and then just enter in the search engine in six days and the book will come up there, the preface. And uh, as you open that page down on the left side, there'll be a list of um, names. Uh, they're the names of the science. And you click on a name, and it'll give you uh, his chapter, his qualifications and background and his reasons. That's a great resource. And, of course, remember, too, you can listen to these programs, Faith and Science, by simply Googling... 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the listen button. And there you'll see programs, Faith and Science, Science Conversations and many other great programs that you can point other people to. And remember to point other people to these programs on the web that they too may know the evidence that we have that we can believe in a loving God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 